Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. How, how did you decide, Melba, you know, how much energy to focus on, you know, Broadway stage work versus the recording career part of it. You know, you were so multifaceted. Oh, some of it had to do with management and who was, who was my agent and how good they were at booking me and, and um, what's going on in the, in the industry and in the business. I remember one time going out to LA trying to get some television work, but um, SAG was on strike, so you couldn't work. Or like when we had the pandemic here, Everything you should, you can't go anywhere or else you get sick and die. <laughs> so it depends on what's going on at what time, you know, what your challenge is. And um, I remember, okay, so my ex-husband and I broke up. So I don't have a manager now. I got to try to figure out what to do myself and start making some phone calls to try to find out what should I do? Because you don't know what to do. You keep searching and trying to see, okay, what's going on now? Where is there a place that I can go to start this search again, where I do have, have a base or an open door where I can create something or start something here and then see if I can have it catch on fire somewhere else. It's always uh, kind of like being in the woods and seeing, seeing do you have um, some sticks that are dry enough to, to start a fire somewhere so you can get started again. <laughs> You got to be resourceful. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And well, and then you moved on to uh, Capital, where you had an enormously uh, or an enormous amount of success, uh, at least in the beginning. You're working with Kashif uh, and Paul Lawrence. What were those guys like to work with? Oh, wonderful! It's uh, once again music had changed again. Um, Stevie Wonder probably was the one that, that brought in um, the. Um, the big um, synthesizer, probably the first one. But Kashif like turned the 80s around. With, I don't know what you call it. Was it the mood? What is it? What is it? I don't remember what, what it was called, but that big synthesizer sound. And people remember his sound with uh, Evelyn King. That's not going anywhere yet. <laughs> so I said, oh, my God, you're going to give me a big old sound like that? Yes, let's have some fun. <laughs> mm -hmm. Let's see, what are people going to be dancing to now? And um, Kashif brought Paul Lawrence with him. And he also brought Freddie Jackson, uh, Lilo Thomas, probably a, a bunch of other people that, because he had a whole stable of, of young um, songwriters, singers, performers, um, mm -hmm. artists. 
um, that we then began to manage as well and to um, get them re recording um, contracts with, with the different labels as well as um, provide me with the current sound of, of the day, um, which was wonderful. The songs suited me. Um, I didn't have to try to sound like somebody else who was popular because that's very often what record companies do. They'll make whoever they are, the popular artist is kind of the arch type and everybody sounds like that. But I think it was probably, my voice just wasn't like anybody else's. I couldn't really sound like anybody else. So we had to try to figure out what was going to work for me. So like I said, there was never a comfort zone, but there was always a reward. <laughs> I love coming at you in 1982. Great danceable R&B, you know, very much like you're saying and Evelyn King and like what Solar Records was doing with that kind of sound. Right. Really catchy. Um, and um yeah, I was a disc jockey uh, in the 80s, you know, in clubs and things like that. So records like that were very uh, much appreciated. Uh, and, good music, uh, danceable, fun, good quality. Exactly. Fairly simple. And really, really good hooks. And and Gene McFadden was still in the mix. Still. Yes. I mean, he became, Gene and John became like family members. As a matter of fact, we... Um, kind of co-managed them and uh, helped them to release Ain't No Stopping Us Now. Because um, um, Gamble and Huff did not really want them to be artists. They just wanted them to be writers. But they were itching to get on the stage and to perform too. So we managed them to help them put that out. Oh, wow. So that was probably number one. I don't have the data in front of me, but man, what a big hit oh, that yes. was. Oh, yes. <laughs> And timeless also. Yes. Um, so Freddie Jackson, I mean, you did uh, considerable work with him. Uh, what a great vocalist himself. Yes. Uh, yes. What was it like to, to work with Freddie? Lots of fun. He likes to joke around a lot. He's a very joyful person. So, and he's very creative. And, and um, he also became a good friend. So it was really uh, wonderful mentoring him. And uh, I, I, he was a backup singer for me for a while. So we traveled on the road together. We spent a lot of time together. We came like extended family members. He was there. I'm trying to think. Was he there when my daughter was born? I, I know he's, he's, he might as well be her uncle or her godfather. So we, we've become extended family members. And then um, Gene and John, you know, wrote a couple of songs for um, Freddie and me to sing like, uh, um, just a little bit more and a couple of other really beautiful, beautiful duet ballads. Cause I hadn't done any, any duets with people until Freddie. He was the first. Yeah. Hard to find someone else after him. I was. <laughs> and yeah. you hit like two number ones. I think they might've been in a row in the mid eighties. You know, you must've been on top of the world at that point. Yeah. We were really, really, really doing very, very well. And I, I, I remember Observing that, I'll put it that way. <laughs> we weren't struggling to get on top. You know, people knew who we were. Our music was being played on the radio everywhere. We were in all the festivals and the venues. And um, Freddie and I were, he was opening my shows in the beginning. And then we, you know, got him his deal with Capitol Records and he came upwards and then he went out on his own and we were growing. It was fabulous. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, obviously, Capitol Records really, you know, put their might behind you and believed they su- in you. They supported us. Yes, they did. It was it was a good time at Capitol for us. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, uh, just sort of a left field question. Did you ever uh, cross paths by chance with George Clinton? I know he was on Capitol at the same time. Actually, no. <laughs> I guess we probably work in a different type of a circuit. Yeah, I figured, but I thought maybe going in and out of the offices or something. I don't know. No, it didn't happen. No. <laughs> um, one thing I noticed, Melvin, I was wondering how you felt about it, is, you know, these were number one hits, uh, R&B, uh, but there wasn't really a crossover. Um, was crossover to pop something that you were looking for, hoping for, or management did, or you guys were just zeroed in on, on R&B? Um, I don't. I don't remember us being particularly um, focused on trying to cross over. I, I, I think, especially for my, maybe for Freddie, because he was, I think, further along in terms of what his singing style was going to be. He had a style. I was um, trying to develop so that I could have credibility from everybody knowing me from theater. You know, was I going to fit into R and B? So. I just remember being very happy being in that category. They're going to call me R&B. Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, it was just, they were great songs. I was just curious, you know, why they didn't cross No, no I think it's a good question. It's yeah. a good question, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then on Falling, you have another incredible note that you hold toward the end of that one. Uh, was that also easy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but a Gene and John wrote that for me so that it would be, you know, so that it was in my range. It's, it's in my style. It's gentle. You know, it kind of builds. It's, you know, the chords and everything are pretty. The instrumental instrument, this sounds romantic and sweet. Kind of my, my kind of R&B. <laughs> and I got to bring up, uh, I'm not sure how you feel about this, but it's a curiosity, if nothing else. Uh, you had a sitcom, Melba, that launched in the mid-80s. I mean, that's how much, you know, in the consciousness you were mm-hmm. uh, at that point. And just really bad timing with uh, mm. the Challenger crashed. And yeah. um, can you just tell people a little bit about what happened with that? Uh, <clears throat> it, was, it was about Melba and her, her daughter and her white sister. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and I guess, you know, how blended families come together and some of the challenges challenges that she would have trying to find a date, um, uh, blending in with her husband's new wife and uh, not really wanted, wanted to share my daughter with her. <laughs> and uh, um, well, it, it, I, I, we were watching some of the episodes. They, they, they were shot very beautifully. Uh, probably could have had a chance to develop and pick up and, you know, get, get more original music and, and more storylines. But the Challenger um, blew up on its takeoff. And, and, and so did my family. I, um, I got divorced at, at, um, around that time. So I didn't ha- I have a, a manager or, you know, a, a company working on my business at that time. I really had to start all over again. So uh, I had to drop all those dreams and those projects and see, could I start over and see, could I re-invent uh, um, my recording career, which is to me, is it, music is it's always been my base. 
my, my foundation. I think because in my family and in my life, that was the first thing that I, I learned even from, not as a child, because I even started that late. But when I did start it, I was like maybe 10 or 11 years old and did that for, and have done it for the rest of my life. So I wanted to figure out if there was a way for me to still stay in this industry. And uh, I started with music and I've been kind of doing that repeatedly. Every, t- every time, you know, a, a disaster happens, you start over again until I see, okay, well, there's been a certain base where I, I haven't had to start over, but you just continue to put, put out new projects. And so for me, that's just continuing on now, but it's been basically music. And uh, occasionally I've had an opportunity to do things like Fighting Temptations. I was invited to do that film and um, other other television projects, but primarily music. Mm-hmm. And even though you kind of uh, had the hiatus after 1990 um, with projects, but, you know, I think that that one was overlooked. Uh, you know, songs like Do You Really... Um, Want My Love, you know, was a good, catchy, danceable song. Well, we've had some good music, but you have to have a team. Yeah. So if you didn't have a, a, a promotion team, if you didn't have a production team, the music didn't get heard. So you have to keep trying to put together teams and see if that's, that's going to work out. I've had a, a couple of songs uh, like um, I'm Just Doing Me that um, have had some nice exposure. And then I've had people like Dean Nice who just go back and pick up uh, um, you stepped into my life and a couple of other s- songs and bring them back into people's attention so that at least keeps me relevant while I put other projects out and see can we bring it bring the whole um, level of promotion and, and marketing and uh, um, managing back up to the A level again. <laughs> yeah, well, it's definitely a different world today uh, with how that yeah. works, you know. Um, so what would you say, uh, you know, up until we'll talk about, uh, imagine, but between, you know, like 1990 and imagine you mentioned, uh, the film, were there any other, uh, highlights? Um, absolutely. Uh, Les Miserables was a great highlight. Um, I was off trying to do a one woman play, develop it. And, uh, the gentleman who does the casting, but did the casting for Les Mis, it was his hometown. It was Hollywood, Florida, just a little town. But he came and saw my little piece and he said, I didn't know you sang classical music. I would love to have you in Les Mis. And he just plucked, that's just good luck, okay? <laughs> There's no way I would have known to, to or where to, uh, even if I had a manager to go and audition for that, I wouldn't have thought of myself for that. But that happened for me. So I, I was the first black lady to play the role of Fontaine. And so that's, I'm incredibly proud of that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Another barrier broken. Yeah. Yeah. What, what year about was that? Um, let me see. I'm trying to think. Well, I think it was early 90s. Yeah, I think it was early 90s. Maybe 93, something like that. Yeah. So uh, it was so good to see you back with a new project. You know, that's always <laughs> outstanding, especially coming out of the pandemic and everything, you know, and absolutely, um, yeah. Um, imagine, um, 
you know, you, you worked with your, your daughter on this, right? Well, she's executive producer. She and her, uh, her uncle Bo Huggins. And uh, I think her dad has had some things to do with it too, because um, her uncle and, and her father, of course, are brothers. And they really have basically spearheaded the, the, the part of my recording career that's been successful in kind of researching it, finding out what I should sing, uh, where I could fit going out and making the deals for me, um, getting the songwriters and the producers for me, actually putting it together. So they put this together. So, <laughs> so they said, uh, we think you should do these songs. They brought the songs to me over a period of three or four years. So we didn't really have a concept. They just, they weren't doing anything really in the industry and they are in music. So they, Occasionally, we keep bringing these songs to me until eventually we had about 10 songs. And uh, my daughter and I said, well, why don't we listen to them and try to sing- sequence them and see if we actually have an album? And we did. And that's how it really came together. They kind of put it together in their spare time and thought about what I might like to sound or they would like to hear me sound like now, today, with this voice and with whatever's going on now <laughs> in the world, you know. <laughs> Well, you mentioned Melba like uh, a while back, the dinner clubs and the, you know, kind of sophisticated. And I feel that with this record, it's just got an elegance about it. It's kind of, you know, classy and just, you know, that kind of R&B, you know, good mix of ballads and mid-tempo material and some like kind of like little jazzy flourishes here and there and got the gospel feel on on some of it. So uh, very nice. And thank you. um, I, my personal, I'll just mention a couple of those. Uh, Can't Stop the Rain, I like. Is it you like rain? that one? I like that one. Yeah. I like that. You like that little rock guitar in there? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then free, because, you know, you really go back to that gospel yeah. thing and that, you know, and, and I really like how you uh, built that out, you Me know. Too. I like the message of that, too. Yeah, there's a lot no, of great no, messages. It's very hopeful, no matter what you've been through. You know, you can be free. There's there's a lot of messages like that. I mean, it's so positive. Even the one right after the highest star is so, you know, kind of uplifting. Yes. They all are inspirational, I think. Yeah. One way or the other. I like the first one, too. uh, So in Love. Mm -hmm. The whisper of your name uh, erases every tear. I can't. I can't remember all the lyrics, but it's basically if I just think about you, I'll be happy. I won't think of anything sad. <laughs> and the sound of the music is is very sweet, and I think it's soothing. Definitely soothing, yeah. And that was the single, I guess, the first one, right? It's the Back. first single. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, are you planning to, you know, perform these? Have you performed them? Uh, I've started to perform them. I started with um, So In Love. And uh, we're just starting to put the tour together. So we'll see what else we're invited to do. (laughs) And maybe I'll get some requests for certain songs. I'm not sure. Because people seem to be, um, many people are just putting out singles. And so we we put out a whole um, album so there's 10 songs and what i'm finding is people are picking their own favorites which i'm very happy to see but they might want to hear different songs and i'm happy to to meet their requests of course yeah i've never been about the singles trend you know i still believe in albums oh 
you know, and that kind of harkens, I, I think, a little bit to a, a quote I read from you about, you know, trying to, you know, impress upon, especially young people, you know, the tradition of real music and real R&B mm-hmm. and, and keeping that alive, you know, yeah, and absolutely. I just really appreciate seeing a quote from you about that. So can you just share a little bit of, of your feeling on that with the viewers? Well, I know it's very easy to use, um, <clears throat> what can I call it? Um, not real instruments or uh, what do you call them? Vocoders or electronics. Yes. Rather than real voices. Um, But I think the human element, even if it's not as uh, technically perfect as something that's electronic is more human and it's alive and that you need to make sure that you value that and keep it alive so that people are encouraged to relate with you through your music, not just to the music and not just to the sound. We want to keep the human element vital and important in everything that we do. So that's that's my intent. Um, naturally, I want to be up on everything that's um, available to us technically. And I don't want anything to sound like um, the quality is not there because we don't have the, pro- the proper technical equipment. But I don't want it to be all technical i want it to be i want it to feel like it's living that it's breathing that that you can add your emotion to it yeah 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 that goes all the way back to you knowing how to you know visually present the songs you know and actually uh inhabit the songs you know right that's a nice way to do it you don't want the song to wear you you want to wear it but you do want to wear the song like it's like um not even necessarily like a, a a cloak or something, but something that's a, a, maybe like a pet that you have. You know, like my daughter loves dogs, all kinds of puppies and, and dogs. Um, some kind of wonderful little living creature, <laughs> something that's alive. You know that you can't um, you can't just press a button. Something that's alive. Yeah. Well, so when you talk about modern equipment. Uh, did you feel like making a record like this was a little easier than maybe it used to be? Mm, no, uh, because the, the instrument that you have to keep working is this, the whole mechanism. And of course, the voice, not just the voice. But as you get older, it requires different things. Um, it requires um, certain care. Um you may develop food allergies. Uh, you're, the, you're the mechanism. So the first thing you have to continue to do is learn what you require to stay whole and healthy. And are um, the changes that you need to make in your lifestyle so that you can be as strong as you need to be. You know, like if, if, if you want to go on tour, you got to be able to stand different temperatures, weathers, um, <clears throat> you got to be able to scream at the top of your lungs, you know, maybe for an hour. <laughs> you have to be able to do that. So, and, you know, everybody's human. So you, you need to take care of it uh, in, in terms of uh, exercising uh, because uh, your lungs and the whole breathing mechanism n- need to be worked so that they stay strong and they stay flexible and they support all the different areas of, of your body. But, particularly the, the, the vocal cords and the vocal system, because they're very delicate. <laughs> and um, most people, you know, you don't 
you don't know necessarily what you, you might be allergic to. Uh, everybody wants to have some fun and sit down and eat some ice cream and, you know, and, and maybe have a, a, a little whiskey or something. I can't do that. <laughs> I have to be really, really, really clean. You know, if I, even if I want to drink water, sometimes if, if I'm, if I'm going to be working, it needs to be room temperature or warm water. And you have to find these things out. And sometimes you find them out the hard way. You know, you, you take a sip of something like a bubbly water and all of a sudden, you see you're like this. You can't instantly. You ain't got no voice. Quickly. So you have to take it very seriously. You know, yeah. your, your food has to be your medicine. Because you don't you don't you don't want to do like um, it has it has to be proactive. And uh, and to be honest, our. Our medicine society usually treats the symptom after you get sick, but you have to prevent yourself from getting sick. Because sometimes the medicine is worse than the sickness. Yeah, cure is worse <laughs> than the ailment, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a whole lifestyle and seriousness that you have to treat yourself with. And part of the seriousness is you have to have joy. <laughs> you can't you can't be sad. It'll depress you, it'll send you. You know, to, uh, to um, it saps your energy. Let me put it that way. Joy has to almost kind of be a weapon or a tool. It's very, very necessary for you to have balance. Of course, you got to be very um, cognizant of things that are going on around you. And some of them are pretty serious and pretty sad and pretty violent. And somehow you have to stay in balance. So just you have to remember all of these things are the human experience and it has to be okay with you. <laughs> it's, it's mental, it's physical. It's all yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Melba, is there one or two uh, live performances over the you know entirety of your career that just are unforgettable. Like, I don't know if you ever performed at the white house or it could be, maybe it was a crowd of 50,000 people or mm. something. What would it be? I have performed at the white house and it was memorable. I performed at the metropolitan opera house. That is memorable. And I'm trying to think, um, Oh, I did a live performance and it's called Melbourne more live. I'm, now I can't remember the venue, but it's an important venue. It, it might have been um, Lincoln Center. And I remember that show. It was, just, it was my first um, show after becoming a star and everything like that. And it was my first performance of Lean on Me. And I did it live. <laughs> and uh, those things are memorable. There, there, there are several that, that I do remember because um, the experiences were fabulous. They were recorded. Um, my uh, summer TV show where we replaced the Carol Burnett show uh, with, uh, when I say we, uh, myself and Clifton Davis, having people on my show like um, Gladys Knight, Cloris Leachman, Nancy Wilson, Lou Rawls. Uh, I can't remember everybody else, but, <laughs> you know, and being, and being called the Black Sunny and Cher. <laughs> They're memorable times here. Yeah. Did you ever, did, did you tend to get butterflies or did you take stuff in stride? Well, by the time you have to think things through, you don't, you're not like this. 
but um, you definitely not, you're not ready to fall asleep either because you know <clears throat> that what you're doing is like a first. Other people have not done this before. There's not a real guideline for you, so you're not so comfortable with your ability to do anything. It's not it's not like you're a veteran in TV. <laughs> you know, all of this is new to you. You know, you got a lot of knife. <laughs> But I guess we call it exciting. And, and the people who are in this industry and do that, you're born to do this. That doesn't mean it's comfortable, but it means you can do it. And then if you have longevity at it and you look back at it and someone as wonderful as you gives me an opportunity to kind of recount these things, you can actually say in your own words how you feel now. <laughs> it's pretty doggone wonderful, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're enjoying it. You deserve it. Uh, are there a couple of songs that maybe we didn't mention that are among your favorites, uh, especially that maybe if there's any uh, viewers or listeners or aren't that up on it, they might want to go back and definitely give it a listen. There's a duet I have with Shirley Murdoch. So you can call us an odd couple, but I wanted to sing gospel and I didn't have any songs. And she wrote a song called Call Me, which I would love people to go and listen to. She wrote it for me. She didn't oversing me because she could over, 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 over sing. She sings all over the place if she feels like it. Hmm. And so, of course, I'm, I'm proud of having sung a duet with her and that, um, that I'm a born-again Christian because I wanted to express these feelings that I have about worship and, and that it's there for people to listen to. It's, it's really a, a beautiful song that both of us are expressing ourselves. And I think it's really wonderful that, you know, another artist would use her talent to, to help me express myself that way to the camaraderie. Hmm. What year about was that, would you say? Okay, so let me see. 2003. Oh, okay. It's almost 20 years already. I bet you didn't realize that. I, I, I've been thinking. <laughs> Time is flying. I know. It's scary. <laughs> oh. uh, man. So uh, for young uh, aspiring singers out there, I mean, you gave some great advice, I think, already. But is there anything else that you could share, uh, whether it's, you know, how you uh, conduct yourself or in the business? Mm, well, try to learn as much about the business as you can. And that doesn't just hold for show business. Uh, if, if you're very young, for instance, and, you know, maybe you're going to start to get a, an internship or some kind of uh, training type job, learn as much about the business aspect of, of it as you can. Somebody will teach you the craft and the job, more than likely, and they'll point your attention to that. But then in order for you to be in charge of yourself, you have to be able to pay your own rent. You have to be able to provide your own food and clothing, and you need to know how much that costs and where it's going to come from, and you got to file and pay your taxes. <laughs> so pay attention to those things, regardless of what area of um, work or expertise you, you're interested in. Pay attention to the business aspect of it, too. Sound, sound advice. Uh, what do you have on tap for the rest of this year, you know, in terms of uh, performing and, and that sort of stuff? Well, um, next year, I'm going to go to Hollywood and get a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. 
Congratulations. I've just been uh, told that I've been nominated and it's been paid for. It, happens. it costs a lot of money. People have to get together and pay for it. So that's going to happen. Uh, August 26th, I'm going to receive President Biden's Lifetime Achievement Award, which I know is a big deal. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> going to continue, of course, focusing on Imagine and seeing uh, what people are picking as singles and, you know, how, how to keep it um, uh, for sale and then people's attention so that it as, has as much success as it possibly can. I'm going to focus on Imagine. And, of course, that means uh, the tour that I would tr try to create will come around the album so that we can focus on the album and really uh, – let it, let it have as much life as, as, it, as it possibly can. How does it feel uh, to be sort of back in the cycle of, you know, doing things like this interview and TV and, you know, all these different things again? Well, actually, I've never left that because uh, one of the things that happened because of the pandemic, everybody got a podcast. <laughs> so everybody's in the interview business. So I feel like I've been preparing for this to become main street for everybody, everybody that and the internet and how, you know, um, posting things and uh, getting followings and um, getting on the different uh, platforms so that you can um, both have people be aware that, that you're in their community or in the mix, but also finding out what everybody else is doing all the time. This is the way you do it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah got to always be on sort of in a way, right? Well, you got to have some help doing that, too, because you, you really can't be on all the time. You, you got to have some balance. Otherwise, it'll drive you crazy, too. You'll have a lot of success for a little while, then you'll burn out. Don't want to do that. <laughs> no. Well, and we're also glad that you're still at it and you're still sounding wonderful and have new material. I mean, what a joy. Thank you so much, Melba. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also, much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers, joining Truth and Rhythm's membership program at Patreon, submitting a donation at funkandstuff.net, buying Everything is on the One, the first guide to funk book at Amazon, shopping at the Funky Things store for cool merchandise at funkandstuff.net, and linking through funkandstuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition, if you're an artist or anyone seeking proven, results-oriented, professional marketing, PR, writing, or editing consultation or production, check out the media services section at funkinstuff.net. Also, I encourage you to drop me a line at scottg at funkinstuff.net. I love the feedback, suggestions, guest requests, appearance and sponsorship inquiries, and just talking about my favorite subject, groove-based music. For now, and as always, this is Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on keep vibing, on vibing to the rhythm of the one.